Opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell, right here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Today, we are going to be talking about the current environment of stress, and what I'm calling it is political stress, the other pandemic, because what I'm seeing in my practice as a psychologist is that people are really beginning to stress out. I've talked about this a few times. I talked about um, COVID-19 blues. I talked about social media, love-hate relationship, and these are all topics you can listen to on my podcast. If you type in Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or any podcast venue. And you can go back to some of these, and I'll refer to them to give you more information. But I just see the situation getting worse and worse with my clients, also with my friends, and also with myself. I have noticed within myself that I am more anxious inside, and I am not particularly an anxious person, but I feel this in my chest, just like this low rumble of discord And I'm self-aware, so I know when I'm happy and I know when I'm calm. And I don't like this low, rumbly feeling of just feeling out of sorts and stressed. And then my clients come in and they're talking about it. People that are normally suicidal, uh, drinking and eating too much, um, like not eating, but that's more rare. Low-level rumble kind of stress and anxiety is something that we try to quell and often people try to quell that with unhealthy, unhealthy coping things. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sex, uh, shopping, gambling, eating, social media obsessing. Those are the type of things that people try to quell that low level of stress with. When you get into real high levels of stress, like profound grief and loss, that's usually when I see something like an inability to eat. And uh, people lose a lot of weight. The severe divorce diet is usually worth 20 pounds. The death and loss of someone close to you is usually worth about 20 pounds lost. But this is different. This is that low rumble of stress that's really kicking everybody down and making it very hard on people. So I wanted to talk to that, to, about it today. And I'm inviting anybody that's listening that wants to call in with a brief comment. I welcome your input because... What I'm looking at, and and please don't misunderstand me, I'm not looking for political commentary, and I'm not looking for um, conspiracy theories or anything like that. I'm asking how this political climate is affecting you emotionally and physically. And if you can feel honest enough and vulnerable enough to share how it's kicked your butt a little bit, you will be helping other people. So if you want to call in, it's area code 530 Six zero five four five six seven. You don't have to use your real name. You don't have to give a name at all. We can just say a listener called in. Uh, my producer Jared will take your phone call, and uh, you'll hold on for a minute or so till we work you into the show. So let's talk about this political stress. What I'm seeing is that people feeling anxious and stressed and irritable and frightened, 
And let's go over why a little bit. I think many of you know why, but let's put it into words. One of the big ones is financial stress. We are all worried about what this is doing to our businesses, to our mortgages, um, right down to our kids getting a summer job and now they can't, or your son earning extra money mowing lawns and he can't do that anymore. Little bits of money to big bits of money. So financial stress is a big, huge one on here. Another one is loneliness, being isolated and kept away from friends and family, not just in the quarantine months, it's opening up some now, but feeling like you can't get together, have a barbecue. Um, I know several people have had to cancel their weddings. Um, you, I, Unless you're a big politician, you don't get to have a funeral. Okay, and that really got me to see that on the news lately. Several um, big figures died, and they had big old funerals with churches filled to capacity, Um, A lot of people wearing masks, but they got to have a funeral. I know several people who have lost loved ones and couldn't even have a funeral or a service. And that creates a whole lot more anxiety. So the loneliness, the loss, the isolation is very difficult on all of us. And the fact that it's going on and on creates even more stress. So... Those are some of the reasons, and fill in your own blanks, because there's things you haven't been able to do. Um, For example, I was supposed to go to Ireland this fall, and that's had to be canceled because if you go to Ireland, you are on lockdown for two weeks. Uh, You have to quarantine for two weeks, and that just isn't possible when you go on vacation. So vacations getting canceled or not even be able to plan something fun. I had a, a good friend who takes his kids to Disneyland every October, and they're canceling that because they don't know if they're going to be able to even go to Disneyland or not. So having things to look forward to, feeling isolated within your environment, and locked down within yourself and what you can and can't do. And within that lockdown feeling is all the tension from wear a mask, don't wear a mask, uh, am I social distancing enough? Um, If I run into a friend and I start to give them a hug, oh, my gosh, am I being insensitive? Uh, It's all stressful, and it creates this tension in your chest. Some people feel it in their throat. They feel like uh, they're kind of getting choked off. A lot of people are talking about sleep problems because sometimes that's the first place that anxiety goes to in your sleep. You can't get to sleep. You can't stay asleep. You can't fall back asleep if you wake up. So these are all examples of how this political stress might be affecting you physically or emotionally. So let's look at what exactly is this that we're feeling. If you've heard me talk before, you know that I talk a lot about are you in a place of love or in a place of fear? And fear is when we are simply trying to feel safe. Fear is about mistrust. And who are we mistrusting? The government, each other. Uh, social media, um, our bosses, I mean, pick somebody. Who do you feel mistrustful of? It might even be spiritual. You might feel mistrustful of God or um, forsaken or abandoned. When we are in a place of fear, we are just trying to feel safe, and we are trying to gain control. And that's what's really important here. When we're looking at political stress, we're feeling like we don't have control. And the fear takes over because we don't know where to go for information these days. And that's one of the hardest things for me. I will uh, research things, 
and I'm trying to find articles on hydroxychloroquine, for example, and I will read medical journals, and I'll look at different sites, and I will find far-reaching, opposing ideas on everything. And oftentimes, when you get to the end of an article and you see it's uh, some journalist that's writing it, not even a medical doctor, you just don't know what to believe and what not to believe, and there's a lot of chaos out there in the information that we're given. So trying to gain some control or some unbiased, intelligent information gets very convoluted. And for me, that adds to my stress. I don't want to read some actor's opinion on coronavirus or on hydroxychloroquine um, because to me that's not, just because they're making millions of dollars doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Yet they get a million tweets or they get tons of hits and someone wants to listen to what they say. I find that more stressful. So as this fear amps up for any of us, if you're aware of it, if you are a self-aware person and you say, okay, I'm just feeling anxious, I'm feeling stressed, this is fear, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of losing loved ones. I'm afraid of going under financially. I'm concerned about what is real and what isn't real. And I, and I pause after that because for me, that is a large part of this. I often don't know what to believe or what not to believe. When you get on social media, people spout off opinions as if it's fact. And then you find yourself either buying into it or debunking it or getting confused or getting frightened. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a yo-yo. I feel like I'm getting bounced in and bounced out. And so then I say, all right, I'm getting off social media. I don't want to read any of this stuff anymore. I don't want to watch all the controversial, conflicting news reports. So I'm just going to ex nay away from it and, and just see what I can do about calming it down. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to talk about um, just what else it is that we're stressing about. And then by the end of the show, I want to give you some coping skills. So we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. Those are the beautiful cello sounds of Stacey Nichol Miller, who is the classical cellist playing on Randy McGinnis's CD, Smoky Mountain Dreams. Uh, Randy McGinnis allows us to use his Native American flute music on this show, and I think it's perfect because this show is about therapy in a nutshell, and we want people to relax. We want you to feel better. So when you listen to Randy's beautiful Native American flute music, it just takes you to another world. You can go to randymcginnis.com and check out all six of his CDs. Each one is different and they're stunningly beautiful. So today we're talking about political stress, this other pandemic that we all are immersed in. And if any of you are able to totally escape the immersion in this chaos, you should call in and give us your formula because it's not easy. Um, so the places that we're getting this political stress from, we need to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I recently 
uh, stepped out of my life for about four days to take a little bit of break and go to cooler weather. And I said to my kids, I'm taking a technology break. I don't want to look at social media. I don't want to check my texts or messenger all the time. I'm, I want to try and step away from it. And even then, I wasn't perfect at it. My gosh, it's not easy to do. Um, but they said, no problem. I said, look, if there's a problem, call me and call back again if I don't answer. But I truly did not walk around with my phone in my pocket. I set it down for hours at a time, trying not to look at it, and felt like I dialed it down a lot, which was good for me to do for five days. But that's hard to do. So take a look at where this political stress is coming from for you. Is it from Facebook? Is it Twitter? Is it that you're constantly checking in on social media to see what people are saying? How fragile is that making you? How much are you getting a dose of anxiety and stress every half hour, every 20 minutes? There is a really cool way to find out how much you're doing that. Go to your settings on your phone and check out Applications and Notifications. And in that section, and if you have an iPhone or an Android, it might be slightly different. But in your settings, you can actually see how much time you have spent on which applications. How much time you've done checking your email. How much time you've spent on YouTube just perusing stuff. How much Googling you've done. You can see how many hours a day you blow staring at your phone. It is an eye-opener because for a lot of people, it's greater than three or four hours. And that's easy to say because look around. Everywhere, sitting in the doctor's waiting room, everyone's staring at their phone. Sitting, um, used to be in an airport. We can't go to airports anymore, but used to be that everyone was staring at their phone. So look for yourself. How much time are you spending on Facebook or Twitter or whatever app you tend to be drawn to to find your answers for your political angst. So that's where a lot of this is coming from. We have a computer in our hands at all times, and life as we know it has been replaced by the Internet. And for myself, I notice this tendency to want to be on the phone all the time or look at things or have a conversation with somebody and immediately one of you is Googling the answer to what you were talking about. Um, you start talking about Yellowstone National Park. Well, how is far is it from here? So you pull up Google Maps and you say, oh, it's this many hours from my house. We're used to doing that now. And it, in some ways it's kind of fun. And in some ways it has us locked into our phones and not talking to other people. So... When our life is being replaced by the Internet, and that Internet is full of angst, it's full of anxiety, it's full of us being told how to think, and that thing I called being yo-yoed, we're yo-yoed back and forth between political parties, between newscasters, between um, this show that spouts that reality opinion and spouts it like they know everything, and then this talk show that spouts it like they know everything. We are being bounced back and forth. And our life has been replaced by these electronics, whether it's the TV, news media, the Internet. How often are you replacing what you know and what you believe and what your interaction is with the thing in your hand, that computer in your hand called a phone? Is Dr. Google replacing you getting a medical opinion? Is social media 
forming your opinions because they sound like facts? Are the political opinion shows giving you the answers to your politics? It's scary and it's oppressive and it's overwhelming at times. So that's where a lot of this political stress is coming from. And the biggest challenge is how do we put that down and still stay connected? We do it in our house by we have a home phone. And basically just my kids have the home phone, a couple other people maybe. But if the home phone rings, I usually know it's one of my kids or my grandchildren. And that to me is nice because it's a real lifeline and the home phone's always on, so they can call at 3 in the morning if there's an emergency. I turn my cell phone off because I don't want to constantly be triggered by it. But, again, it's not easy to do. So when you finish this show, or even right now while we're talking, get on your settings and look at how many hours you have spent staring at your phone. It'll blow your mind. So let's look at the idea that We are getting upset, irritated, anxious, stressed by the political environment that's happening in the country right now. A lot of people say to me, I feel like America is being destroyed. I feel like people want, there's a whole faction of people that want to throw America as we know it in the dumpster. And that really stresses people out, especially those that have fought hard for our country, who are military families, who are first responders, who put their lives on the line all the time to keep our country what it is. But when we look at the factions in the United States that are pitting different parties against each other, they're ripping America apart and we are buying into it. So we end up seeing more than we want to see of people. How many of you have lost friends or don't like people as much now that you know what their politics are? For me, it's the vision I have of this is it's kind of like seeing friends in bikinis and Speedos, like they shouldn't be wearing bikinis and Speedos. And you're going like, oh, no, that's way more than I needed to see about you. I liked you much better when you were dressed. So what's happening is we begin to see friends that we felt so like-minded with before that have a different political bent and you're like no no don't let me see you in your speedo I didn't want to see that and it's too much information and so now we feel kind of pulled away or abhorrent or I didn't want to know that about you I liked you much better when we talked about other things so that is stressful as well how Do we see things about people that we don't like? I mean, I've had friends that start going off on their political party and they say things like, if I find out somebody believes on the other side, um, they're not even allowed to speak that name in our house or they're not allowed to to talk about that. So it's, it's just really stressful for people to lose friends and family. It has divided families as well. Listen, my good friend, Dr. Richard Malotke, is calling in, and I had asked him if he was listening to the show, if he would weigh in on some of his opinions. I value his opinion as a friend, and I also value his opinion as an incredible doctor and diagnostician. Hey, Dr. M., you there? Hey, how's, yeah, how's it going, Dr. P.? Doing okay. So talk to us. You've, yeah. been, li- you've been listening. Tell us your opinion. We really want to hear it. Well, I think, you know, 
especially some of the things you said about, uh, you know, how churned up people are getting um, from the from the political point of view with, you know, this such it was such a you know divisive election in 2016, and the country's been divided for longer than that, and you know. Yeah, that what you just said—the idea of losing friends or something over ideas—boy, um, it's it's painful. I, I in at work, I and I'm sure you see it too. I see it at work where you know I'm giving people anxiety medicine because um, they're just coming apart at the seams about the politics. Yeah, and, it's uh, making people like upset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More than that, it's you know, or feeling like the world is ending if the if things go one way or the other. And uh, I don't know. We've got a pretty strong rep- republic. You know, we've weathered. I think we've weathered worse things than this. Although this virus didn't help at all. But uh, you know, the idea of what we want our culture, what we want our society to be, and how. Uh, you know how we want to interact with each other. It's really, it's it's got the flame focused right on everybody's heart, and and I'm seeing I'm seeing that um, the repercussions of that um, with disease processes and yeah, whenever like probably whenever migraines, stuff, stomach oh, issues, all, everything you can think of, everything that uh, stress and anxiety can do. Lots of ulcers, two bleeding ulcers since February. I normally will get one. I get one every five years normally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, people can't sleep. My prescriptions for sleeping pills have gone up, and I don't like to write for those. My stomach acid pills have doubled, and, and the anxiety meds and antidepressant medicines have probably tripled. And, and uh, there's a lot, I see a lot more sorrow um, at work um, instead of, you know, people that are usually chipper and, and usually giving me a hard time just because I know them really well and I probably deserve it. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they, they're doing a, a big sigh. I mean, if I could count all the big sighs I've heard in the last four months at work, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big number. Well, you know, that, that heavy sigh, that deep, big, heavy sigh is an indication of internal anxiety. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm happy to see you picking up on that with people, and you you are so intuitive with your patients. You're brilliant that way, and I I really want people to recognize that when they see their family members doing that big, huge, heavy sigh, know that they're kind of suffering inside. Um, and Dr. Malaki, you said something really cool a second ago. Uh, all the political stuff that's been going on since about 2016, and even before that, but. And we add the virus on top of it. And that, to me, has been kind of the straw that's broken the camel's back for many people. They were already stressing out with the political climate, trying to navigate these rough waters for family members and friends. And then you add coronavirus and a lockdown. And, and if you don't wear a mask, you're killing your neighbor. And you're selfish. Yeah. And um, or you're what do you believe? And what's true? And you, and you can't pay your rent. And, you you know... There's a lot of uncertainty, and and uh, you know, there's a lot. Of, gosh, there's a lot of worry. Oh, hey, you know, my dad's 92, and and I want him to be okay. And yeah, yeah. So it's hard. Things. You know, we we got to go to break, but 
you weighing in on the medical issues that you're seeing and, and the prescriptions that you're needing to prescribe, I think is really important for people to know and to know that they don't have to just Dr. Google what's happening with them. They can go see their physician well, and get some help for what they're struggling with. I think that's important. Yeah, and the, and the, yeah, the one thing to, that I would like to like finish with is just say, hey, don't hold it inside because if you hold it inside, and especially men are, are notorious for that, holding it inside and just cowboying up, it's, um, it doesn't help you in the long run. And, and then when you finally do come in to drag yourself in to see me or see, um, you know, your family doctor, the problem is bigger. You know, yeah. we'd like to get the snowball, you know, we, the snowball's rolling down the hill, but I'd rather, I'd rather catch it when it's the size of a basketball rather than it's the size of a house. Yes, I agree. So don't put off getting help for the stress. Hey, we got to go to break, but thank you, Dr. Richard Malaki, for calling in. Hey, I always, always value nice your opinion. You. Yeah, you're okay, great. Dude, thanks, Patty. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and we are talking about political stress, the other pandemic. Got another caller on the line. Uh, Rachel, a listener, is calling in and has a comment she would like to make about what we're talking about. Are you there, Rachel? Hi, I'm here. Oh, good. Well, tell us what you're thinking about. Um, You've been listening to the show so far? Yeah, it's been amazing, actually. And I want to just tell you, too, Dr. Patricia Bay, how wonderful your show is and how much it's helped uh, me and my family um, just get through not only things with the pandemic going on, but just normal family things. It's been really helpful. Oh, I'm so glad it's helping you. That's why I do it. Therapy in a nutshell. Not everybody can afford therapy or go to therapy. So it's a way to help people get help for free. I love it. Well, good. Well, tell us what you're thinking about this political stress and the being chaos. Sorry. One thing I wanted to make a comment on was I was really um, intrigued by what you were saying as far as, kind of uh, detoxing, um, you know, yourself from the Internet or electronics, things like that. And um, I actually laughed out loud by myself in the car when you commented about, you know, you sit in a doctor's waiting room now and everybody's on their phone. And it's funny that you say that because just in the last couple weeks, I've been um, just, I've gone through jury duty and I've gone to a few doctor's appointments. And I actually decided before I went to those things um, I said to myself, you know what, I have a stack of books that I have been wanting to read for years. I never have the time to get to them. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm so sick of being on Facebook or on the Internet and, you know, all the toxicity from it. And so I told myself, I made myself a promise. I said, you know, if I go to a doctor's appointment, I'm bringing my book. If I have, um, like I had jury duty, I'm bringing my book. And That's so really I did. Smart. I stuck my book. Yeah, and it was really helpful. I stuck my favorite book that I wanted to read, the one that was at the top of my list. I put it in my purse, and for a few days that I had to go through jury duty and then the couple doctor's appointments where I had to wait in the waiting room, I got into my book. I kept my phone down, and the funny thing was is I was the only one doing that. Nobody else was reading a book. Nobody else was reading a magazine. Everybody was on their phone, and... And it wasn't a boastful thing like, oh, I'm better than you. But I looked at that, and it just, it really hit me hard. And Yeah, because that would I, usually I, be you. Right, exactly. Right. And so I, I just looked at it, and I went, you know, this is the best thing that I could do for myself. And it really gave me a cut from everything 
which made me feel a hundred times better. And now I'm into the book I've been wanting to read for years. And, I and now you don't want to put it down. You know, it's interesting you exactly. say that because I was talking about how I took a break and went to the coast for five days. And I brought a book. And for the first time in a very long time, I read an entire book. And I'm the type of person it used to be. You could sit me down and for ten hours mm-hmm. I could stare at a book and not move. But then right. when my husband, who had a terminal brain disease, got sick, I started listening to audible book, audible books because I could work do work and listen at the same time. So I hadn't right. read a book that I held in my hands for a long time. And the amount of stress relief that afforded me on those five days I was off. So that it's between amazing. that and not looking at social media, I think yeah. really dialed down my internal anxiety. So oh, I, it's, it's great it's great that you're saying that. You know, you when we were talking before you came on, you were talking about how uh, your teenager got grounded from her phone and didn't have yeah. social media and all of that for a while, and how yeah. she totally calmed down. It's been and I thought that was cool that you were Honestly, sharing that. Yeah, from the moment uh, my husband and I, and, you know, granted, she's a teenager. She's going to make mistakes. She's learning. We get that. But um, we ended up, it was a few weeks ago now, just kind of making the executive decision as her parents that, you know what, you need a detox. <laughs> and so her phone got taken away. But just in the last few weeks of her not having that immediate access to whatever it is that she wants to look at, um, where you can't monitor it, you know, no matter how much you try, you can't monitor everything. Right. But we've noticed a huge difference in her. And it actually, it was that that kind of stemmed into my idea of maybe I need to do a detox. And that's what got me kind of started on the train of thought of, you know what, I'm putting the phone down as much as I can. I'm getting into my book. I and think, honestly, you know, and you saying this, I think we need social media anonymous. Seriously. We need people to be able. Anonymous, let's do that. <laughs> it's, it's as hard to put down as the bottle of wine, I think. You, you know, you've got yeah. to step away from it. And so detoxing her, detoxing yourself, I think that's a really cool point because that's yeah, kind of what I'm talking about. Where does all this political angst come from? It comes yeah. from us getting on our telephones and turning on the TV. Yep, and that's how she was. She was getting into things politically that she didn't fully understand as a teenager. You know, she doesn't get the whole, um, you know, circle of it. But she was hearing things here, hearing things there. So she was trying to dig into it herself, and it was causing her severe anxiety. And the problem is is she's already, you know, she's autistic. She's on the spectrum. So her anxiety levels are already higher than average anyway. Um and when she was doing this on her own, it was causing even greater anxiety. The moment, though, that we detoxed her and took her off of it, her world has been different. It's been different for us. Probably calmer. Um, and she's even reading. She never read a book before. She couldn't stand it. She did not like to read. Now she's reading. I think that's cool. Well, I want to thank you for calling in, Rachel, because the points you're making about detoxing and picking up other things that are less stressful, such as reading a book instead of staring at your phone, Mm -hmm. I think are really good points and coping mechanisms for people doing this. So I deeply appreciate you calling in. Uh, You've been a real asset to the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Okay, well, you have a great day, and keep listening. You too. All right, take care. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, so um, our callers today are making some really good points. Dr. Malaki calling in, making the point about don't let this stress keep amping up so that you're not sleeping, um, acid reflux is getting really bad, you're stressing out, which is not good for your health, and Dr. Google is not a substitution for you 
going to the doctor and finding out what's wrong with you. And then Rachel calling in and saying the detox word. I love that. That's an awesome way to put it. We need to detox from social media because so much of this angst about this policy or that policy or this political bent or that political bent is very stressful. And how do you get away from it? You have to turn off the news. You have to walk away from the TV. You have to do something different. So when you normally turn on the TV, turn it on, go to YouTube, and type in your favorite kind of music. If you like 50s rock and roll, type in 50s rock and roll and watch three hours come up on YouTube, and you can just play it over your surround sound system in your living room. And you're doing something different with the same habit, the habit of going to the TV and turning it on instead of turning on the news channels. Turn on music. If you go to YouTube to listen to political commentary, type in your favorite band or your favorite artist or type in some hobby you've been wanting to learn and go to the YouTube video on that. Change your focus with a similar behavior. That's a super coping mechanism. It's like if you normally have to snack when you eat, when you watch TV or watch a movie, change that snack into something healthy instead of uh, going for something high sugar or whatever. Do the same behavior, but alter it into a healthier coping mechanism. So Rachel's suggestion of putting down social media and picking up a book is huge so that we're not sitting there with just a computer in our hands trying to get us to uh, go into a direction. And I want to talk about that just a little bit, too, because as I was getting ready to do this show today, I've been thinking about it all week. And I've been doing some research online, and I noticed that even just doing the research to do this topic was extremely triggering in terms of misinformation and hostile information. Um, And I found myself going, God, what is true? What is real? What's true? Um, Who do we believe? And for every opinion you can find that says X, you find another one that says Y. And it's very stressful. So sometimes I think the answer is to do less research and to put it down. Do we have to have an answer to everything? Can we stop and say, what do I believe? How do I feel? And it's a different world. And that's I recognize for myself that's part of the stress. I was raised in a family, a military family, but we were always taught to be responsible with our vote. I, I mean, I didn't know if my parents were Democrat or Republican for most of my life until probably I was way into adulthood because they both always talked about researching your vote and voting responsibly for the best candidate. It had nothing to do with political party. Uh, I remember a political science class that I had my senior year of high school where we were taught how to vote responsibly. And that teacher never expressed a political opinion. In fact, it would have been wrong of a teacher to express a political opinion. But what that political science teacher taught was what is our political system about, what is, um, how is it structured, and what does voting mean, and why is it a responsible thing for you to do, and how do you do it wisely. But never did he say, vote this way or that way. He taught us how to research and how to ask questions and how to listen to all sides. And that was responsible teaching, which I just thought was really cool. So that was my voting sort of 
foundation. So now to have people be so polarized and won't listen to each other and fight back and forth, it's very stressful. I asked for opinions from people during this week while I was getting ready for this show, and one person said to me, I'll, I'll summarize what she wrote to me, but what she was saying was it's so stressful for her that people don't want to listen to each other, that they get really upset um, when the people are saying things on either side and they're using venomous, hateful language toward a political party or venomous, hateful language toward leaders in our country, our states. Um, and she said that really stresses her out and it very, it very much triggers her. So that is part of what's happening in this stress that's inside our systems. We are upset about what's going on and we are stressing ourselves. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to give you a few things besides picking up a good book and reading it. I want to give you a couple of things that you can do to begin to recognize what's happening in your system, in your body, in your mind, and try to change that and calm yourself down a little. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about political stress, that other pandemic, pandemic that's happening around us. So what we're really isolating as we talk about this is that I really believe that our physical and emotional stress is severely amped up by us staring at our phones all the time. The input from social media is very polarized, can be extremely angry, um, and fear-based. And I absolutely get that because the dichotomy of what should I do is difficult. And, and let me explain it to you from my own perspective. There's a whole lot of me that wants to just check out, not ever look at social media again, don't engage with any of this, and isolate and not really even get into any kind of heavy discussions with friends. And I don't particularly want to see my friends in their speedos, so to say. I don't want to see everything they think and feel and get into arguments with them. I uh, kind of long for when we could just talk about all the other stuff we talked about, grandkids and families and hobbies and stuff. And am I being naive? Maybe. I don't know. But I, I long for a time when things were not as adversarial. I also don't like the... Um, the fear-based judgment that I see happening, like, are you wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? If you're not wearing a mask, are you selfish and you're going to kill the 80-year-old down the street? What does it mean and what's the truth? And the fear of judgment from people on their political views or on their COVID-19 views um, can be very stressful for a lot of people. So I see them disengaging from others. And then they bury themselves in social media again. So the, the dichotomy of wanting to pull back and not engage with any of that and then feeling socially responsible that you have to address some of this or you're being an ostrich is difficult. And for me it's difficult because on one hand I want to be a light for people and help them. And on the other hand I don't want to be an ostrich and stick my head in the sand. So when I try to share information, I try 
to check it out. But that isn't always possible either. Every once in a while you end up putting something out on your social media that you go, whoa, that probably wasn't good later. I don't know. But can you hear the anxiety of that, the back and forth, and what's right and what's not? Should I say something and should I not? And I'd be negligent if I don't. So a big piece of this anxiety is the fear of judgment and criticism and anger from people that you respect and that you know and love, and then that coming from people you don't even know, saying horrible, terrible things. And that is anxiety-producing, especially for someone who is an ultra-sensitive. I did a podcast on ultra-sensitivity, and so if you're one of those people that feels like you get your feelings hurt easily or you're affected by all of this in a stronger way than somebody who blows it off, better than you do. Listen to my podcast on ultra-sensitivity. It'll really help you understand why it's harder on you. So one of the counteractions for this feeling of worrying about people's judgment is to know who you are. Know your opinions of yourself. Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you judgmental of others? Or are you trying to take a calmer approach where you're letting everybody have their opinions? Boy, and even just saying that out loud, it's hard, isn't it? Because there's so many people that you want to just scream at them they're being an idiot, no matter what political viewpoint you have. And then you don't want to do that because that's mean. So then you want to say it on your social media, but you don't want to. You want to take it back. It's so stressful for everybody. So listening to that judgment and that fear and that lack of control, you can rein yourself in and try to calm down. And the way to do that is to focus on where you are right here and right now. I like to ask people, what time is it? And they say now. And where are you? Right here. So when you are right here, right now, that's more conducive to listening to music or sitting with a good book and a glass of wine um, or water. <laughs> maybe, it's not, maybe it's time to put the wine away. Um, But you're getting what I mean. Changing your focus into something that is less intrusive and less triggering. When you see judgment and anxiety and pushing on people, you don't have to engage. What you can do is practice silence. And that isn't always easy when you feel really strongly about something. But practicing silence is not necessarily for them. It's for you. When you back off, get quiet, shut down, pull away so that you have more breathing space, it's much easier for you to be right here, right now, and focus on yourself, focus on your loved ones right there, and try to calm your environment. This political chaos has gotten very, very intrusive, and... It intrudes on our space every time we open up our phones. So how do we step away from the social media addiction? We were joking around with that one caller about we needed a social media group, like putting down an addiction, almost like Alcoholics Anonymous. We need social media anonymous. And a lot of people would benefit from doing that. The other thing that can be helpful for you is if you want to get on social media to check in with friends and family, you can start a private Facebook site that's just your friends and family. 
And that's a site you can get on and check. And you can say to friends and family, let's just share information about our lives, hobbies we're doing, a thing that we've made, um, pictures of what you're doing or the grandkids. And on that family site, it's a private site. It's hidden, um, just family and friends that you want to talk to. And then you don't have to see all the political angst that's put on by the friends that are in bikinis and speedos. <laughs> You're catching the metaphor there. Displaying far more than you really want to know about them. So that's another coping skill for you. If you like the social contact of connecting up with long-lost friends or your kids or grandkids, a private site that's just your family can let you do that without having to see all the other stuff. So the first coping tool that you've got to have is you need to check in with yourself. You need to stop and say, how am I feeling? Am I too stressed? Is my smile gone? Am I having physical symptoms like Dr. Malaki talked about? Stomach acid, stomach pains, sleep disorders, headaches. Um, The list is rampant for what happens when you start to stress out. Are you displaying physical symptoms? Are you feeling anxious a lot and sad and just heavy? If you are, it's time to do something about it. And you have to change your own political climate. You can't wait for the world to change it. You can't wait for the elections to be over. You can't wait for COVID to disappear. You have to change your own political climate. And you've got to do it one day at a time. So just for today... Try stepping away from your social media. Try turning on music instead of the news. Try playing a board game with your family instead of spacing out into video games. Try connecting hearts with the people that you love so that you can feel better about your day in and day out life right now. All right, so I hope we've touched some nerves for you to stop and think about this whole political stress that's going on. I hope you feel the idea of dialing back the stress that you've had regarding politics and all of this is something that needs to be in your hands for you to try to do as best you can and to talk to friends and family about dialing back on some of the anxiety that gets talked about. And come prepared to offer up a subject of something nice to talk about instead of politics. That's another way to dial it down. So um, I want to refer you back to my podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell. And there's about 80 topics on there now, anxiety, depression, a bunch of couples, communication things. Uh, it's free therapy. Go on and, and help. Get yourself, get yourself the help that you need to help calm down inside. So this is Dr. Patty, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time.
The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.